Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. On the program this week, the All Blacks team naming for the World Cup is just a week away. We discuss the selection options for coach Steve Hansen. Sonny Bill Williams, Liam Messam and Adi Savea have been named in the All Blacks 7's initial training squad for next season. We talk to SBW and Savea about their inclusion. We recap the Silver Ferns silver medal performance at the recent Netball World Cup. Nick Willis discusses his ambitions for the upcoming Athletics World Champs in Beijing and Sean Johnson updates us on his recovery from ankle surgery. The All Blacks coach Steve Hansen isn't wasting any time as he gets straight into business this week with his selection choices for the World Cup. He says Saturday's game against the Wallabies gave him a good insight into who he thinks will make the cut. I don't think anyone played themselves out, but you know we've got some positive headaches. There's, uh, there's some guys who have, uh, in other test matches, have also played particularly well, and you know we've got some serious things to do and make sure we get the right people on the plane. And, and there's going to be some good people miss out. One player that stood out for Hanson in particular on Saturday was All Black second five Ma'anonu, who scored two tries against the Wallabies. Despite his positive performance, Nono says he can always do more to secure his place within the All Blacks team. Oh, yeah, he's a lot of work on for myself. I missed the tackle out there. Um, gave Conrad a hospital pass, and earlier on in the, in the first half, I could have kicked it through for Jules, but just didn't take the opportunity. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot to work on. All Black second five, Ma'anonu. Also playing his way into form against the Wallabies on Saturday was Daniel Carter. Carter set up the first try of the match that was scored by hooker Dane Coles. He also put the Wallabies under relentless pressure as he attacked their defensive line with some hard running something the All Blacks coaching staff wanted to see from him since the start of the Rugby Championship. But Daniel Carter is also wary of his position within the All Blacks side. There's a lot of important rugby uh, left uh, this year, so um, it's a bit of a confidence booster, but I realise there'll be uh, much tougher games uh, later in the year that you want to step up for. Daniel Carter says everyone within the All Blacks team needs to keep working on their game if the All Blacks are to retain the Webb Ellis Trophy in England. One way Steve Hansen hopes to achieve that is by giving some of his players more game time in the local ITM Cup. Hansen told media that he'll release some of his players to their provincial teams for extra training, while others will head to the Bay of Plenty with All Black strength and conditioning coach Dr Nick Gill. Uh, some will get a couple of weeks off and do their own individual training under Gilly's program. Some are going to go to a camp uh, in Tauranga with Gilly, and then we've got obviously two camps before we go away, so individuals uh, have been programmed individually and uh, for their needs and what we want from them from a physical point of view, a skill point of view and, and then we've got the two camps where we come together so everyone will be at them. That was All Blacks coach Steve Hansen. Now joining me is Radio New Zealand's rugby reporter Barry Guy. Barry, Hansen has a tough job on his hands narrowing his 41-man squad down to 31 by Sunday the 30th. Who do you expect to see on the plane to England next month? 
Well, I think uh, it'll be the majority of the players that we've seen in action this year. Uh, as you say, though, and Steve Hansen's problem is that uh, he perhaps has too many. Uh, so does it come down to three locks or four locks? Do they take some extra uh, loose forwards and they can be uh, a cover at lock as well? Uh, the centres and the three quarters seem to be the main problem is where they fit all those in. Um, but, but generally, it'll be the guys that uh, we've seen in action uh, in the last, well, year really, that, that'll be there. I, I, I seem to think that the most interesting area is the three quarters at the moment. If there are two fullbacks, uh, Ben Smith and Israel Dag, or is there two fullbacks? Is there just one? Uh, wingers, uh, we have uh, Nehemilna Scudders come on in the last few weeks. Corey Jane hasn't really got the game time, but we know how good he is. Julian Savia hasn't been at his best, but he's a must to get uh, in there. Charles Pieto was an exceptional form in the couple of tests that he played. And then you throw in the likes of Colin Slade, who is such a utility, uh, and he plays on the wing also. See, that's the issue, I think, when it comes to this World Cup squad. You have, say, your first 15 or a few more, and then you have to have players on the bench that are utility players that can play more than one or two positions um, in the in the field. So uh, it's a very much a balancing act, and it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, the way I see it, uh, the back line is going to cause the most sort of headaches, if you could call it that, for Hanson. I mean, with the likes of uh, Bowden Barrett, who hasn't been in much form at the moment, do you take him as a utility? I mean, with Lima Sopawanga and Dan Carter in such good form? Uh, again, uh, well, that is an, a concern for me is that Bowden Barrett really hasn't played. Um, he had the knee problem that hampered the latter part of a Super Rugby competition, and I'm him strugg- struggling to just read into that what the situation is. Have the All Blacks decided to just get him completely fit uh, without perhaps um, much game time to take him to the World Cup, or, or all of a sudden has he fallen out of uh, favour? I think he is a good option because, of course, quite often he doesn't come on at first five. He comes on at fullback and then maybe late in the game he then goes into first five. So he very much is a is a, an opportunity there. And the other thing with Lima Sapawanga is really he only plays first five. Can you afford to take two just specialist first fives? You know, Dan Carter at a pinch could play second five, but Lima really is just a first five. So, again... All those numbers fitting into uh, 31 is an issue. Uh, of course, if there are injuries, you can call someone across. Because So the likes of uh, perhaps Lima, if he doesn't make the 31-man squad, he'll be training on uh, with the possibility, and his history has shown, that you know if called up, can slot into the, um, slot into the side, no problem. Yes, I suspect maybe... A- few players might possibly go on holiday to England uh, as cover possibly um, but two of the safest bets for making it to the World Cup uh, for their fourth consecutive time each will be uh, Richie and Dan. Uh, how significant do you think their role will be at this uh, World Cup? I suppose if we went back a couple of years, well possibly even after the last World Cup um, the likes of Dan Carter and Richie McCall, many people say well you know that's probably it really um, they'll head off. They probably won't be leading the All Blacks uh, in four years' time in 2015. And they have had, over that period, you know, some quiet times. But it appears now that they've both been um, uh, tapering themselves for this tournament. Uh, Richie McCaw this year 
for the Crusaders and also for the All Blacks really seems to have just got back to his best. He's had the odd sort of average game, but, you know, he's still one of the number one uh, open side flankers around. And Dan Carter, heavily criticised, too old and, uh, you know, past his best and we've got to bring someone new in. Uh, just last weekend, uh, that game against the Wallabies just showed how good he is and he can control a game. So I find it interesting that, as as you mentioned, two of the most experienced older guys in the uh, team really, I think, are going to be the pivotal guys when it comes to this World Cup for the All Blacks. Yeah, I think they both really showed their worth against the Wallabies uh, at Eden Park. Both of them gave 110% really. Uh, finally, uh, the Wellington Harbour game in round two of the ITM Cup, there are a few mixed emotions. Uh, Corey Jane, he actually found some form which was good to see, uh, but Locke Jeremy Thrush, he left the field injured and was even seen on crutches. Uh, what do you sort of make out of that, Barry? Uh, well, firstly, Corey Jane, uh, I know it is only provincial championship, but he showed all the range of skills uh, required. Of course, he would have had more time, but he is one of those guys who has really never let the side down. If that comes to uh, a decision between uh, two or three players who makes the squad, you know, that you've got to look at that and think, well, he always turns up for the big games, never lets us down, and you know, turns in a good performance. Ups for a Corey Jane for that. Jeremy Thrush, yes, an ankle injury. Possibly, well, it depended if they were going to take three or four All Blacks to the World uh, if they were going to take three or four locks to the uh, World Cup. Uh, Thrushy was probably uh, number four or five, I think, there. Uh, so a setback for him because, again, he's Mr. Reliable and he really... Every time he's played for the All Blacks, has never let them down, pushes hard in the scrums, and his work rate around the field is phenomenal. So a setback for him. But again, I, it didn't appear too serious. We'll have to wait and see. And I think he'll still be uh, in the grouping there somewhere for a selection. That is Radio New Zealand reporter Barry Guy. Barry, thank you for your time. Pleasure. Sticking with rugby, Sir Gordon Titchens has named his initial training squad for the 2015-16 season as he prepares for next year's Rio Olympics. All Blacks Sonny Bill Williams and Liam Messam have been added to the squad, along with Hurricanes loose forward Adi Savea. 27-year-old Scott Curry has been handed the captaincy after DJ Forbes stepped down from the role so he could focus on making it to Rio. Speaking to media at the squad announcement, Sonny Bill Williams and Adi Savea spoke about their decision to choose the All Black Sevens next year. Williams said the answer is simple. Playing in the Olympics is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity he just couldn't pass up. Going back in time, uh, the best sportsmen uh, ever, I guess, have been Olympians. You know, uh, uh, Bolt, um, Ali, the list goes on. And, um, it's, just, it's just an amazing opportunity to become one of those. So... I think as a rugby player, you strive to be an All Black, I guess, win a World Cup and win a Super Rugby title, I guess. And as a league player for myself, you know, you strive to win a comp. I'm lucky enough to have achieved that. But, um, you know, as a sportsman, most sports people would love to go to the Olympics and I haven't achieved that. So it's an awesome opportunity to um, try and achieve that. What do you think you need to change in your game you never played sevens? Yeah, I'm not too sure. The, uh, the Masters over there and... Um, you know, it's going to be a massive challenge and um, probably the biggest of my career, but uh, definitely going to give it my all and um, time will tell. But um, I'm just looking forward to hopefully first first, first of all, God willing, getting picked in that World Cup squad and then um, 
after that, uh, you know, getting to know some of the sevens boys and um, knuckling down and, and training hard and trying to fight for a position. Adi, the same for you. Why now? Why sevens? Um, you know, I've, obviously I've been been in the sevens game um, in the past, and um, just like Sonny, you know, the Olympics. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, you've always wanted to go and compete at the Olympics, and to have an opportunity like that um, to try and fight for a spot in the Rio team um, would be a dream come true, I guess. Did missing out maybe on the All Blacks at all play any part in you choosing sevens? No, nah, not at all. Um, you know, when when the opportunity came up, um, you know, I kind of had my mind um, made up about going to sevens, so easy decision. So, I mean, have you spoken to guys like Liam and Tim Nana Williams who've flitted in between sevens and fifteens about how to deal with it and deal with the different body structure you're going to have once Gordon's got his hands on you? Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to um, have a meeting with Titch and he explained all of the all of the all of the uh, training routines that you have to get accustomed to. And um, for myself, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at sevens. Um, that's why it's, it's pretty scary, but. Um, I'm sure as I'm not going to try my hardest. So, of course, I've spoken to Liam and and uh, um, Tim and just asked about different training things and you know what's best to prepare, how to prepare. Um, but uh, you know, all you can do is is have a go and do your best. And um, it's going to be uh, an honour if I get to put on that sevens jersey because you know there's some been some great players that have played and are still playing in the in the team. I'm touching said it'll be different for each individual in terms of super rugby commitments. I guess in your eyes, Sunnyvale first. Do you think you'll play for the Chiefs at all next year? Oh well, I've, at this stage, of, um, I think there's two types, and I've committed to doing uh, sevens full time. And I think that's obviously you know the other players have had sevens experience. I've had nothing, and um, you know I think going into such a big campaign and um, you got to. Put you, for me to put my best foot forward, I know that's the only way uh, is, is getting as much experience as I can, and um, I know that, that that was probably the, the only option I could have taken. I, I could have taken to, um, you know, give myself a chance at making the squad. And Hardy, same for you. Do you think you play for the Canes? Yeah, year? so um, I'm on a different to Sunny. Um, I'll be most likely be playing a few games for the Hurricanes next year. Um, and a few tournaments, I think, for the sevens. I'm not too sure, actually. But, um, yeah, so I've decided to cross-code or 15s and sevens. Sonny, of the current sevens squad, is there anyone you're particularly looking forward to playing with? Yeah, um, yeah this, the squad, I'm su- surprised that there's a few names left out of that squad, but um, just from watching, you know, being an avid fan, but uh, I think it's just for, for myself, is just having the opportunity just to um, train alongside those guys is going to be awesome. I don't know where I'm going to play yet or how I'm going to go, but um, it's going to be a massive learning experience. So, time will tell. Excited about your new captain as well, Scott Carey. Yeah, he's a great player. Uh, definitely leads from the front. Um, so, um, yeah, just looking forward to knuckling down and training alongside those guys and um, seeing how they operate and trying to learn a few things off them. That was Sonny Bill Williams and Adi Savea speaking to media about their inclusion in the All Black 7 squad for the 2015-16 season. I'm joined now by Radio New Zealand netball reporter Bridget Tunnicliffe to discuss the recent netball World Cup that was held in Australia where the Silver Ferns finished in second place behind the hosts. Bridget, you were in Australia. Would you give us your opinion on how you feel the uh, World Cup tournament went? Yeah, uh, I guess overall... um 
from an organiser's perspective, they'll be pretty happy. Uh, that was, I guess, the third World Cup that I've been to. And, yeah, it was well run and they put on extra activities for fans. So I think fans got really involved this time. Um, in terms of the format, there were some changes um, this year in the past Teams like New Zealand, Australia, Jamaica and England haven't met each other until the semi-final stages. And so they made a change to the draw to, I guess, to appease the fans so they could get some really close, exciting games early on. And I suppose from the team's point of view, give them a run against you know challenging opposition um, before they hit the semi-finals. Because in the past, they would just be... You know, having really one-sided games, and suddenly they'd have a tough game come the semi-finals. So I think that that was pretty good overall. I think um, we might see some tweaks in that format and used in the next um, World Cup, just because we had a situation like in our draw, in our pool, we had Australia, New Zealand, Trinidad, Tobago, and Barbados. And Trinidad and Tobago, in particular, they probably deserve to be in the top eight once that next phase of the tournament. Um, moved on, and the top eight and the bottom eight were split, but they hadn't really no chance by by the by virtue of the fact that they're in the same pool as New Zealand and Australia. So it was difficult for some of the lower ranked teams who probably deserved to be in the top eight, but they were put in pools with really um, strong teams. Um, yeah, overall a really good tournament. Um, I have to say I was, I was surprised, and I continue to be surprised about the lack of um, Australian media that um, show an interest, even though it was on their own doorstep, and they've got the world champion team, and they've won it again. Um, still, New Zealand reporters easily outnumbered the Australian media there. Well, that's quite surprising. Um, speaking of the Silver Ferns, you mentioned earlier their campaign obviously came up just short in second. Uh, how do you think they? How how would you rate their performance uh, considering Waitamonu made those uh, changes in the lead up to the event? I think they had. Um, uh, I think they should be pretty satisfied with their campaign. Um, you know, a lot of people doubt had some doubts about whether they would even make the final, and there were a lot of question marks over players like. Bailey Mears because we hadn't really seen her against tough opposition so it was they were sort of entering the unknown um I think they did really remarkably well really um Mears she got in the top 10 in the tournament for rebounds I mean that's only one small aspect of her game but that just shows how um you know how athletic she is um to upset Australia on day three that really sparked some more interest in the tournament it was always going to be difficult to beat Australia again a week later I had I did have some doubts um but you know that first quarter we'll always remember that first quarter has been a bit of a shocker and if they were to play Australia the next day that would just never happen again but they showed lots of fight back in the remaining three quarters um yeah overall I think people will appreciate the, how fast, uh, how far New Zealand came in such a short amount of time. Because before that tournament, they'd lost the previous nine games to Australia, and I think the past five by an average of 12 goals. So they um, definitely closed the gap. And with the Constellation Cup coming up in October, I think we've got back to the point where we really don't know who's going to win when these two sides meet. So that's um, a real progression. Yeah, that is uh, positive to hear. Now, who, in your opinion, were some standout performers uh, in the Silver Fern side? Um, I think Kayla Cullen was, um, yeah, she uh, was just awesome during the tournament. She took lots of flying intercepts. Um, she didn't back down. She came up against tough opponents. Um, yeah, she, look, she looks like she's been around for a while. Um, 
Bailey Mears, I really like her. She's not the finished article yet, but she really did make a difference down in that attacking end. And I think it just goes to show just a, a stat that really demonstrates the difference she's made um, to that attacking end. Laura Langman ended up with the second. She came second on the list for goal assists. And Langman in the past has been criticised a little bit for being conservative in her feeds to shooters. But I think that just shows that she didn't enjoy feeding to Catherine Latu and the difference it's made with Bailey Mess coming into the side. Uh, Langman was able to just let that ball go. So she, you know, came second on that list for goal assists. Um, yeah, Casey Corpor, she had a tremendous tournament as a leader, as a player. Um, Liana Debrain, I think she's probably been a bit overshadowed um, as the kind of the second South African import. She's always, I guess, been... Um, in the shadow of Irene van Dyke, but uh, I think she just demonstrated what a great servant she's been to New Zealand netball. It's a shame she couldn't finish with that win, but yeah, um, yeah, probably Bailey Mears, Kayla Cullen, Corpua, and Laura Langman. She was tremendous again, and Maria Tutaia. Can't forget some of those spectacular shots. You mentioned uh, Laura there. Now she has uh, come out this week and announced that she is going to be playing for the New South Wales Swifts uh, next season in the ANZ Championship. Do you see this move as beneficial for her and the New Zealand team? Um, definitely beneficial Beneficial for her. Um, she's Her two years at the Mystics, I don't think we've seen her playing her best netball at the Mystics. Um, before that, you know, it was all about the magic. Um, but that move to the Mystics hasn't, been great for her I don't think so yeah I think um, why not from her point of view it's the the ultimate challenge I think playing alongside some of these great Australian players the Swifts just came runners up this year lost the grand final by one goal so they will certainly have a good crack at winning the title next year and uh, you know that's I'm sure what what lured her to the Swifts Um, I think yeah, from a Silver Ferns point of view, whatever she can take from that experience, she'll bring she'll bring back to the Silver Ferns and she'll be a stronger player. Um, and I don't think we'll see, I don't think it's going to lead to many more examples of Silver Ferns going over there, mostly because the, the Australians have got such great depth anyway. I don't think that they kind of need to tap into the Silver Ferns or you know some of our top players and we need to keep as many as many of our good players here as we can so I think she probably is an, an exception we might see one or two more but I don't think it's going to um, lead to a whole leaking of New Zealand players over to Australia. That was Radio New Zealand's netball reporter Bridget Tunnicliffe joining me there to discuss the recent Netball World Cup held in Australia. Now, you would have heard towards the end there that Silver Ferns mid-quarter Laura Langman has signed on with the New South Wales Swifts for next season. I caught up with Laura to find out why she decided to cross the ditch for next year and what she makes of her new home in Sydney. We've had a great time here despite the result and, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it the last couple of days with um, friends and the hubby um, seeing the sights of Sydney and um, it's a fantastic city and, yeah, I'm hoping I continue to love it when I come over. And have you had much of a chance to introduce yourself to your new teammates yet? Um, no, I obviously we're admiring them from afar at World Champs. Um, but yeah, no, I had some Facebook messages which have been really nice because I think probably one of my biggest apprehensions was what were they going to think about a Kiwi coming into the side. But they've been absolutely amazing. The staff at the Swiss have been incredible. Um, and um, even they have you know, prove themselves true that on the outside they look like a fantastic organisation and they certainly are. 
And what about the uh, reception from your your team, your Silver Fern teammates back here in New Zealand? Yeah, um, they've been really supportive, and I think um, they too um, realise we're coming into year one of a four-year cycle, and um, there's lots of unknowns in regards to the New Zealand program. So they probably um, are seeing it like I am, and that it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And um, yeah, I just got to make the most of it. And have you got any uh, sort of plans or ambitions on how long you'll be staying with uh, New South Wales for? Oh gosh, I, I think it's very early days yet and um, you know, as you know, import spots is only one out of 12 that you can possibly be in. So um, yeah, I'm going to have to work very hard to obviously get, a, get any court time, let alone secure a spot for another year, but certainly am coming over here to compete as well as I can. And um, I see in the uh, release you get to pair up with uh, Kimberly Green and uh, Paige Hadley. Obviously, you would have come up against them in the World Cup. Yeah. What, what, what would that be like uh, going on the other side, teaming up with them? Uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a dream, actually. Um, I think Kim is one of the standout uh, mid-quarters um, internationally in the game at the moment, and Paige is an up-and-coming star. So um, they're well-established in that um with midcourt, so I'm really looking forward to um, you know trying to um, foot it with them. That was Silver Ferns and New South Wales Swifts new signing Laura Langman. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only podcast brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. The Olympic silver medalist Nick Willis is hoping several weeks of altitude training will give him an edge at the World Champs in Beijing. The world champs haven't been kind to Willis since he first competed in them at Helsinki in 2005. Four times he's contested the 1500 metres for a best result of 10th. The opening heats for the 1500 are on Thursday and in the lead up to this year's event he's been altitude training at Flagstaff, Arizona. My hope is that it will give me the additional strength to last through the three rounds and that's something I haven't really had that much success with at championships lately is going through three good races as opposed to just the one-off time trail. The world champs haven't been that kind to you in the past either, have they? No, not at all. And um, In many ways, they're a lot tougher than the Olympic Games. Um, the Olympics can cause a lot of stress for people and people overtrain and break down, but the world champs, everyone seems to show up with their A game. And not only that, as the, the defending champion comes in with a wild card free entry so if they come from a strong country, it enables that nation to have four entrants. So this year, Kenya will have four entrants in the 1,500 metres, as opposed to at the um, Olympic Games when they're only allowed a maximum of three. Beijing, though, does hold some good memories for you. Oh, very fond memories um, at the bird's nest, so I'll definitely be trying to draw upon as much positivity from that experience as possible. Have you raced there since? Not in Beijing specifically, but I've run in Shanghai um, and I guess that was a good experience in the sense that for the Olympic Games, they had cleared away a lot of the pollution, taking certain measures, stopping the economy, basically, to help present a clean, green um, look to the country. But when I ran in Shanghai, it was about as bad a pollution as you could possibly have had, and it didn't seem to affect me at all from a performance-wise. Maybe when I'm 70 years old, I'll regret having spent time there, but um, we'll have to wait and see for that. But but this is the first time you get to race again at the, the bird's nest. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a really good time, and my wife and son are both coming out. We we do everything together. I've been to every race, every workout. So Team Willis will continue on, and we've got another edition since the, the Olympic Games eight years ago, seven years ago, I suppose. There was Olympic silver medalist Nick Willis speaking with Stephen Hewson.
Kiwis and Warriors playmaker Sean Johnson is on the mend after breaking his ankle during his side's loss to Manly in the NRL competition last month. Since the injury, the Warriors have been on a four-game losing streak and are unlikely to make the NRL playoffs. Speaking at the launch of next year's NRL 9s, Johnson spoke to media about his rehabilitation period as well as his reaction to the criticism his side has faced since the injury. He says he's on track to be back on his feet and training by December this year. And then I'll look to really start running, I think, start of December. So, you know, I'll, although I won't be running, um, I guess before that I'll still be you know, doing a lot of work, you know, and just the ankle and just strengthening up my calf and my quad again, my glutes, um, because, you know, the last thing I want, you know, is just to affect other areas because of the weakness, you know, that obviously I've lost the muscle from all that, that whole leg. So, um, but yeah, look, I'm... You know, I'm confident I'll be back you know, for the ninth. You know, that's going to be my target. And uh, you know, From everything I've heard and how it's gone so far, um, everyone that I spoke to is pretty confident I can get there too. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the criticisms that people are saying is that the Warriors are a one-man club. Mm. You're gone, they can't win. Yeah. Uh, what's your view on, well, on that criticism? I don't know. You asked the rest of the media that were bagging me at the start of the year. You know, they seemed to think I was the reason we were losing. So um, Sean was having a horrible season, all this sort of thing, so it's funny how things change, you know, and I said back then when I was copying that criticism, I knew I was building, and I knew that it wasn't as bad as what everyone was saying, um, you know, and it's it's exactly that right now, you know, it's not as bad as everyone's saying, you know, you look at what our teams had to deal with, um, fast changes in key positions, you know, like myself, um, Hoff being out all that time, and Tommy, you know, like it's not just me leaving, it's me leaving with Tommy being out, with Manu now being out, with Hoff being out, you know, it's, it's a combination. Benny Matt's being out, they're, they're all senior players, you know, and we all we all contribute, you know, no one contributes greater than anyone else, we all contribute evenly, and um, that puts a lot of pressure on those young players to come through, you know, you, you look at them, they're doing a terrific job, man. They're, they're playing against seasoned NRL players at the moment. Um, and you've got Tui just filling in at halfback, and you've got Sam Lasoni that's having to play bigger minutes. You know Solomon, who's played every single game this season. You know it's it has to take its toll. So um, yeah, I think that whole story that the media try to run with their one-man club and they're in trouble. That's just a that's just an easy way out. That's a that's a title to a story. Um, that means absolutely nothing to us. So <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. You know it's the media doing their thing, I guess. How do you think Artui is going in the halfback position? Yeah, look, I obviously know what he's sort of going through. I came through it a 20, as a 20-year-old and played half as well, and um, he he's just playing his role. He's not overplaying his hand at all, and that's all you know we can ask for him. He's obviously a good runner of the footy, instinct player, good support player, and as long as he keeps doing that, um, that'll keep him in the game. And I think um, you know the organising is you know that's Chad and Sammy Sammy Tompkins, and they're, they're doing a good job at that as well. So. Look, it's um, it's never going to be exactly the same as to what it was, you know, a few weeks back. But um, hey, it's a, it's an opportunity for them to, you know, I guess especially Tui to stamp his mark and show what he can do. And he's a confident guy, and I, uh, you know, I think he's doing a good job, and he's going to get better. Today's announcement about the shoulder charge. You may have seen all three boys got off that uh, uh, this morning or last night. Um, yeah. what, what's your take on that uh, issue at the moment? Do you think the rules need to change again? Oh, look, I don't want to get myself in trouble, um, but I've. Yeah, I think when you've got players complaining that our game's changing too much, something's wrong. You know, when you got when you got Willie Mason putting George Burgess on his back and then George Burgess getting up saying, No, leave it, you know, that was fine. Like 
that's that's crazy, you know, for Willie to miss games because of that. You know, it's I think it's like anything in our game. You know, you do something, you hit someone in the head with a forearm, you hit someone in the head with a shoulder. No different. You're going to get sanctioned. You hit someone in the body with an arm, you hit someone in the body with a shoulder. No different. You know, play on. You know, like it's like anything. You know, we, we play this game knowing what we're what could happen. You know, like worst case scenario. Um, yeah, and then it, it's just up to us. You know, as players, we don't go out there to try break someone's jaw you know it's not like that you know it's it's all part of the game so um, I think I think there's more concerns in our game than the shoulder charge you know I still can't believe we don't know what a knock on is um, legs and hands in between the legs you know lifting players that's dangerous to me you know even if it doesn't end up bad that's dangerous so um, yeah look I'm a player, and I, if, I, if I'm a little halfback and I think that the shoulder charge and the way it's been ruling, then, yeah, that's not right, is it? That was Kiwis and Warriors halfback Sean Johnson. That is extra time for this week. Feedback is always welcome via Twitter at RNZ Sport or our emails sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.